Hello, and welcome to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. Okay, everyone on the podcast, welcome to the new season of Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. Tonight, we're starting with the peculiar case of Lizzo. So, Gerardo, uh, I'm really not sure what you're talking about because I've never done this before. So, at any rate, uh, just in case you're wondering who else I'm talking to, I am also live streaming on Bego, where I am one of their new paid hosts on there. So yay me. So I hope that uh, you all will join me there because you'll see me live there uh, or you'll actually see what I'm talking about in video. And I will probably do um, pieces more often over there. Uh, Whereas with the podcast, uh, I will do maybe once or twice a week, mainly because of uh, the editing being a little bit more involved with the podcast. So right now I'm vamping a bit (laughs) while everybody joins uh, because I have quite a few people who are coming on over. So now we are going to get started because I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody to miss it. We've got a lot to talk about. So I hope that all of you are super excited and way into it. So let's get going. First things first, we are going to talk about what I call the peculiar case against Lizzo. Now, for those of you who are watching on Bego, just so that you know, I am, uh, it's gonna look as if I'm looking away ever so often. And that is because I have the actual complaint that was filed against her in LA Superior Court. So I am giving you, excuse me, I'm giving you the actual information that uh, was filed against her. This is not uh, proven. These are just allegations. And so I'm going to be reading them. I don't want to get anything wrong, especially since these are all uh, these charges or, you know, I guess we'll call them charges, but of course it's in civil court. So there is no uh, criminal liability for this. Lizzo's not going to jail or anything like that, but um, I'm, I'm going to read them to you exactly as they are. Then I will skip around to just give you the highlights as well as uh, some analysis about what I think is probably going to happen Uh, as a result of this. Um, And again, it is totally just my opinion. So that is how this is going to go. So if you're hanging with me, this is the best show to be on, whether you are one of my podcast listeners, or if you are on what I hope will be my growing Just Us crew that is on Uh, that is on Bego. So let's get started with what I call the peculiar case against Lizzo. So this case was filed 
from my understanding, and it looks like from the stamps here, literally yesterday, which would have been August 1st in LA Superior Court. So one of the things that I'm going to do, and part of that is because of my, um, uh, part of that is because of, well, I'm going to initiate PK, not really sure what that is, but let's do it. Uh, but anyway, one of the things that I'm going to do is, okay, there we go, is not constantly say the individual's names who are charged or, or who are making these allegations against Lizzo. Most of my background, um, I, I do quite a bit of civil now, but for quite a bit of my uh, early career, I was, it, I was in criminal defense. And so because of that, I am very, very, um, I, I am very sensitive to the rules that we have over there as it relates to victims and saying their names and all of these uh, and, and, you know, rape shield and all of those things. Now, is there allegations that any anyone in Lizzo's camp or her staff actually committed that heinous act against these women? No, but there are multiple allegations, and I should warn you uh, as, as you stick around, there are multiple allegations that relate to um, sex acts or simulated sex acts. So if that is a concern for you and potentially triggering to you, this is your warning right now. Because as we get into it, I hit a groove. I, I'm not going to keep going back giving trigger warnings. Um, well, I'm just warning you. So that is something that I just want you to know right out the gate. Now, um, what? so what I'm going to do is I'm going to refer to these women as plaintiffs one, two, and three. So this is the one time that I'm going to say their names and just their last names and tell you who is being referred to as P1, P2, and P3. So there are three women involved in this case at this time because based on some additional pylon that has been occurring over the last 24 hours from other individuals who has who have worked with Lizzo's camp um I would not be surprised if there are other individuals who would like to join the case now that being said if they do I probably would recommend that they get attorneys of their own because this guy and his firm, this West Coast law firm and who is representing uh, these three ladies seems to be one of these individuals who wants more attention than his clients. He's responding to things on Twitter and Instagram and all of those things. So Mm, that, you know, I don't use, uh, I don't typically feel comfortable disparaging fellow members of the bar, but when you are behaving in a manner that underscores why people have such a low impression of us, uh, well, I'm going to criticize you. And uh, he seems to be uh, of that ambulance chasing, I want attention, 
give uh, give you a little razzle dazzle uh, type person. He's like the attorney from um, the play Chicago. Uh, so at any rate, the the defendants are Davis, Rodriguez, and Williams. Davis and Williams were individuals who became a part of Lizzo's dance troupe or background dancers, whatever she calls them, because they appeared on a show that Lizzo did with Amazon Prime Video called Watch Out for the Big Girls. And it's still on Amazon Prime Video, although given the allegations um, and how this situation snowballs, I guess we'll see if that remains the case. But at any rate, that is where those young ladies came from. Rodriguez uh, is the is someone who came into Lizzo's camp through normal channels. She was chosen by her dance captain for a video. And then of course, as any performer hopes will happen, you get selected for the next thing that artist does and the next thing and the next thing. So ultimately at one point, all of them end up um, a part of her team pretty much for most of 20, 2021 and 2022. So these ladies worked together off and on for quite some time. And Charlene Quigley, whose name is going to come up a lot, uh, the dance captain uh, for Lizzo, or at least she was during this period of time, worked with all of them throughout all of this because during the course of all of their interaction with uh with lizzo they um she was always the dance captain and again as you will see or hear as we go through this she comes up a lot in fact some of the antics alleged against her seem to go well beyond uh some of the things that are alleged against Lizzo herself. But of course, if these individuals work for you, it's your production company, it's your tour, all of these things. Well, you know, you're the boss. So everything is going to come and be dropped on your doorstep. And in this case, not only is that happening because she is the boss, but because she actively engages with her dancers almost like or maybe they she does consider them friends i'm not really sure but they hang together do things together and again some of some of the more disturbing things that went on here did uh, are actually alleged against her okay so let's so we're going to go through what is called the caption of the case. Caption of the case is it tells you who's suing who. So again, just giving last names. This is the last time and who they are. So Davis, who we're going to call P1. Rodriguez, who we're going to call P2. And Williams, who we are going to call P3. Collectively, the plaintiffs, but some allegations are spread out. Versus Big Girl, Big Touring, Inc., which is a Delaware corporation, Melissa Jefferson, professionally known as Lizzo. So if you hear me say Miss Jefferson or Melissa, we're talking about Lizzo. So she's being sued as an individual. Charlene Quigley also being sued as an individual. 
and individ other individuals who are referred through, who are referred to, I'm sorry, as does one through 10. And that essentially means that there are some individuals who may be a part of the staff or a part of the production who as yet they're, or, uh, they're not sure exactly who they are or may have had some uh, trouble getting their personal information to add them to the case. So just to make sure that it is clear that there are other individuals being sued and this is not exclusive just to Lizzo, they and and big girl touring and miss quigley they're called does one through ten and for those still like going what's does like jane doe john doe okay so these are the complaints and there are nine. First, there is a complaint for hostile work environment based on the theory of sexual harassment so FEHA, hostile work environment, that is against all of the defendants. So there's the three named and the does. There is a failure to prevent or remedy the hostile work environment, sexual harassment, again, against all of the plaintiffs. They, I mean, I'm sorry, against all of the defendants. There is religious harassment this against all of the of against all of the plaintiffs allegedly perpetrated by Charlene Quigley and Big Girl Touring Inc as the parent company there is of course failure to prevent and or remedy the religious harassment allegedly perpetrated against all of the plaintiffs and this is an allegation against all of the all of the defendants because the as you will see when we get into the case the main person that allegedly perpetrated those acts in particular was Shirley Quigley but Lizzo's her boss so she catches it and of course big girl touring parent company racial harassment now that's an interesting one, which we will get into. So racial harassment, thank you everybody who is sending these gifts and hearts and all of these things. I really, really uh, appreciate that. So um, the racial harassment uh, as it relates to plaintiffs one and three, um, and that is big girl, <clears throat> excuse me, big girl entertainment um uh disability discrimination so there's a lot that we're going to get into so I'm, I'm gonna try to keep us <laughs> around an hour or so but there there is a lot so if you got to pop in and out fine of course these uh these episodes are going to be recorded on both Bego as and and will be up for you to watch it another time as well as listen to on the podcast if you're not catching this live but i hope you do stick with me live because if you put questions in the chat whether that is in the podcast chat or in the Bego chat i can answer them for you live which i can't do if you listen to this recorded okay so Another charge, we are now on charge number or complaint number seven, intentional interference with prospective economic advantage. That's a charge or an allegation that is typically made when there is some question or suspicion that 
an individual may have about someone blocking their ability to work, whether it is uh, that they heard it through the grapevine that you are sending um, negative information out uh, to other potential employers, whether it, you know they're hearing that people are calling saying, in this case, their dancer, so-and-so is a great dancer, but since we're going on tour, how are they to live with? Well, that person is crap, you know? <laughs> so that is, uh, if they're hearing those types of things, then we know that, uh, so those, that's where things like that typically come from. And if you're somebody who follows like the housewives drama and that type of thing, that would be the type of claim that, for instance, Nene Leakes uh, used against NBC Universal when she said that they blocked that they blackballed her because that's what we typically hear people say whenever someone says, "Oh, this industry blackballed me," or "That industry blackballed me," or "This group did that to me," or "That group did this or that." That is typically what they are talking about. They are talking about some kind of interference with they their perspective economic advantage, which is basically you're interfering with my ability to get what paid. Okay. Number eight. So we're almost done with the complaints for damages. Number eight, flat out assault. There are uh, two of the plaintiffs in this case, plaintiffs one and two are alleging that Lizzo straight up assaulted them. So we'll get more into that. And then there is a false imprisonment claim made by Plaintiff One. Plaintiff One, as you'll see, um, even if a quarter of the things that she alleges are true, it, she has had quite a time um, because a, there is pretty much every single thing here involves, um, it, it has hit plaintiff one in some way, and then everything else, uh, plaintiffs two and three kind of pop in and out. Okay, so let's go. We don't have to get into the jurisdiction and venue. I've told you who the parties were. Basically, everybody lives in and around, Calif uh, in and around California, Los Angeles in particular. Not surprising given that they are a part of the industry. The corporation is registered in Delaware. Again, not surprising, just in case you didn't know why so many corporations are registered in Delaware. Well, favorable tax laws. Okay, um, so let's get to the actual allegations. So this all began <laughs> once upon a time. Okay, so in 2021, because in, it, in two different universes that ultimately came together, so in the Lizzo multiverse, uh, all of these parties ultimately had a crash course towards each other. The first two, Davis and Williams, okay, I just said their name, but the first two, P1 and P2, were on the Watch Out for the Big Girl show. So if you were on that show, you know who they are. And uh, uh, P1 in particular, if you watch... Is, it stands out even more because there was a whole thing with her as it relates to whether or not she was going to do the nude photo shoot. The same thing that tends to happen or used to happen with at least one of the contestants every year on America's Next Top Model, if you know you watched back in the day like I did. the As I mentioned before, uh, plaintiffs, Plaintiff 2 came into the mix 
just the normal audition route. So while they were going through whatever they were going through on the watch out for the big girl show, the other person was a part of Lizzo's music video and was already doing various festival dates with her in between Lizzo filming the show. So, and, and the prize for watch out for the big girls was an opportunity to be one of Lizzo's dancers. So that's how they all ended up coming into basically, as we say, same place, same time. Okay. So one of the first things that happened, red flag, red flag, red flag for everybody, in my opinion on this. Um, but as you'll find out, as you listen and join in and become part of the Just Us crew, uh, I love reality shows. So a lot of the stuff that I talk about, even when we are dealing with uh, legal cases, you know, I may mention some of them. And in this particular case, huge red flags for all of the parties involved. Now we know why they cast her. That just, that doesn't mean it wasn't a red flag. So what was the red flag? That was that in May of 2021, before Plaintiff One was even chosen for the show, allegedly she told during her, told the casting people, producers, whomever she was talking to during her process, when you are supposed to be asking questions, all of these things, she let them know that she uh, has some kind of, she has various psychological issues, uh, such as uh, depression. What else does you have here? Depression, anxiety, nothing really out of the ordinary given her age, the profession she was in, especially being a dancer, um, where, you know, things, it's, it's a very, very body conscious uh, industry. So uh, needless to say, binge eating um, was on there as well. Again, sadly not shocking given her profession. So instead of the watch out for the big girls casting people immediately saying, okay, you know what? We don't need these problems. Instead, they did the exactly what reality shows are famous or rather infamous for doing. They cast her. Now, did they cast her right away? No, they had her do a psychological exam and sign wave, a waiver of, uh, of her uh, confidentiality in case they had to share the information with the producers, et cetera, et cetera. Now, for those of us who have been in the reality TV watching game, maybe even casting for years, we know that as soon as she expressed even a remote possibility of having psychological problems. She was a shoe in. They just had to make sure that she was, the psych exam was just to make sure that she was regular, good for reality TV cray cray, or if she was going to be somewhere on a bell tower with, you know, a weapon aiming it at the passerbys um, uh, with uh, who, just happened to be her castmates. So they decided, obviously, that no, as far as we're concerned, and again, I'm not calling her crazy. They are. Um, they decided she was regular, run-of-the-mill, perfect casting for reality show 
cray cray again. This is, I'm sure, how they felt. And they cast her on the show. She also, just from that piece alone, she is pretty sure, especially based on the way she was treated and allegedly due to being informed by some other individuals, she's pretty sure that she, um, that that information was told uh, to, um, uh, to Lizzo and some others. Okay, so also in May 2021, in the other part of the Lizzo multiverse, Plaintiff 2, or P2, was being cast in the video uh, for Rumors, and she there was all kinds of shenanigans with rehearsals and shows, but ultimately she did um, she did take the job. Now, one of the issues that she is complaining about is the way that it went down. She felt like she was pressured into making the commitment to keep herself available for exclusive use by Lizzo's team and the tour, even though she did not tour with them consistently. And also dates get canceled and all of these things. Because again, we're talking 2021, which is we're sort of kind of on the back end of COVID, but not really. It, it, again, it depended on where you were. Remember, the world didn't shut down until March 13th, 2020. So 2021 uh, in May, that's still a year later. Most kids were still being homeschooled, all of that. So it was a very tricky time, uh, for certainly for, for performers. They needed to make money and do things. But um, again, it was very tricky because COVID was still very much alive and well. Those of us who have... Uh, school age children know intimately that our kids were still home. And even when they did go to school in September, 2021, there was all kinds of face mask mandates and all that stuff. But anyway, enough about the pandorama. In August, they began filming Watch Out for the Big Girls and the problems with Quigley, Miss Charlene, because that's what we're going to call her, Miss Charlene. The problems with Miss Charlene began immediately because Miss Charlene seemed to have demons of her own that she was fighting, but she felt the need to constantly put on everybody else. And Miss Charlene's issue was that she was constantly, constantly getting on folks about religion. Come to come to this meeting, come to that meeting, God this, God that. And and again, no offense against God. <laughs> is, I, I'm a believer, but it, you know, you don't have to be in people's faces with it. And literally earlier today, because someone I know knew that I was going to be doing this show, they sent me a couple of videos of her on Instagram. And one, like, I think one of the videos was two minutes. I am telling you that I have a grandmother that was a pastor and I was exhausted within 45 minutes and this, I'm sorry, within 45 seconds. And this is a young woman who is popping it and dropping it low on stage with Lizzo, who is chasing these women around looking for every opportunity to proselytize about her beliefs. So 
the funny thing is, or not so not so funny for Ms. Davis, is that she continuously, Miss Charlene, anyway, continuously targeted her. She targeted Ms. Uh, she targeted Plaintiff One constantly going after her like you need i guess maybe she took a particularly particular interest in saving this young woman's soul but at the same time she kept making a huge deal out of this woman's lack of sexual experience and partners she continued to not only make a big deal out of it within their group but she would make an issue out of it on social media um in broadcasting it in interviews anybody in the world who she singularly decided needed to know about a uh, plaintiff one's virginity she felt like she had to keep telling them. so needless to say given plaintiff one so so we're starting to also see um a picture sort of painted uh painted of plain of plaintiff one right that she may have had some uh some psychological issues none that are really extraordinary um i, I would say none extraordinarily different from many young people her age in a profession uh, in the entertainment business in particular and in the particular realm of the entertainment business that she was in which is dance which on top of entertainment being image conscious generally you also have the specifics that comes along with being a dancer and body image and all of those things so it, not that i'm trying to you know make a woe is me about uh about plaintiff one but i feel like that's something that needs to be reinforced because there is no doubt that ultimately the other side it they're big from the gate and you have to i'm an attorney and uh, a defense attorney in particular so i already see the arguments forming here like the you know the argument would be uh we didn't do anything particularly heinous to this girl this or, or young woman this young woman was particularly sensitive because she's got mental and emotional problems she has body image issues despite being a, a plus-size dancer and yet despite that and despite promoting uh body positivity and all of those types of things which is what what, what would make her attractive to <clears throat> excuse me to a lizzo or someone um you know someone like lizzo in terms of you know the the types of things she puts out there that this person definitely had issues because despite all that she's still somewhere binge eating and crying and having anxiety so we already know what the argument is going to be in regard to that. I am just simply saying that in looking at both sides of that, even with my natural tendency to automatically start defending that, you know, you, there's, there's a lot, there's a whole lot. Okay. So now we come to the next layer of red flag, red flag, red flag, which is the nude photo shoot contest during the watch out for the big girls casting 
And remember, a lot of this, when we're talking about the watch out for the big girls piece, until we get out of that time frame of these allegations are going to involve two of the three young ladies because the third one was on and off tour somewhere, you know, trying to avoid getting COVID. So they, not unlike the pretty much every flipping season of America's Next Top Model, they had the obligatory um, uh, nude photo contest. And of course, any, the person that gets the most points, they end up uh, in, you know, the, you know, the whole thing. I don't have to explain it, but you know the drill. Okay. So what happens, so what happens for, from that is she expressed again, plaintiff one, that she was entirely uncomfortable about this. Like guys, I can't do it. Um, I, I, I don't want to leave the contest, but I don't feel comfortable with doing this. And I can't, but at the same time, I kind of feel like if I don't do it, I won't win. And let's face it, she's not entirely wrong, folks. It may not be the nicest thing to say, but again, not entirely wrong. So, I mean, like it, love it, not whatever, but not wrong. Give me one uh, second, you folks. I am just uh, making sure that the show is being properly shared with those who asked for me to share it with them. So we're just taking what I will just call a quick station break. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to my main screen. Okay, so I'm sure the screen froze and knowing me, my mouth was wide open. Okay, but bump bump bump, we're back. All right, now I have some concerns as it relates to this particular allegation. And my concern with this, uh, as it relates to this whole situation is sometimes as attorneys, we can have a great list of facts or, or allegations, but of course we're like, this definitely happened to my client. So I'm going to say for the sake of the person, the person who wrote this and believing their client, we can have a great list of, of alleged facts. And then we muddy it up with something that it's not only is it not, it's just not a good factoid to put in there, but could also potentially um, undermine all the things that we talked about that with in the rest of the case that are so strong. Now, I don't think that this would necessarily undermine that, but it definitely, specifically as it relates to plaintiff one, because of that whole mental health piece, it makes her look to um, readers as perhaps particularly whiny. And I hate, hate, hate to say that because of the types of allegations that continue throughout this complaint. But again, and it, well, anyway, again, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that being 
one of the allegations, especially on page seven of a 44 page complaint. Maybe that's one of those kitchen sink things you throw in later um, in at trial, but not right now. So we know that um, they, they signed tons, 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 tons of contracts, right? And we also know that in those contracts, they basically sign their lives away. I mean, they just do. And so when that happens, there are there's a lot of boilerplate, especially in a contest. Because remember, we have we've seen everything, right? Those of us of a certain age, we remember fear factor. I mean, screw having to get naked. We've watched people eat live scorpions. So folks truly just sign their lives away for basically $200 a day being paid some non-union scale. Um, so my concern is while we understand that Hollywood um, the entertainment industry in particular can be a very overly scarily coercive place. And that environment is usually a hundred times worse for women or just newbies, people at the lowest rungs of the ladder. She was ultimately able to negotiate this. She expressed it and, and made it clear. And I actually took the time this afternoon to go back and watch that particular uh, piece of it. They didn't make a big deal of it, but it did come up. And ultimately, they compromised on it. And while she may have thought, oh my gosh, this is going to hurt me in the show, it was ultimately her decision. And quite frankly, historically, especially as it relates to women in Hollywood, it would have really been a put up or shut up situation. You either get naked or you don't. This is a part of the competition. And, in, and quite frankly, even in America's Next Top Model, I don't recall even the people who were the most uncomfortable with it, not ultimately having to get naked. They were just posed in a way that we didn't see every single part of their body, but the people on set sure did. Now, she said that that caused her to have many dilemmas. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, it caused her to have extreme distress, anxiety, breaking down in tears, all of that. Ultimately, filming wrapped September 2021. They didn't, it, it wasn't a long, it, it wasn't a long shoot. And she and uh, the other individual who we call Plaintiff Three, they were both selected and they began to do the festival appearances too, which of course meant that at that point, the third young lady and the two of them were all pretty much subjected to some of the same things. So now we can sort of fast forward through, um, through a lot of this. Now, in between all of this, Miss Charlene has still not stopped her shenanigans, allegedly. Miss Charlene seems to constantly vacillate back and forth between constantly preaching to the women about her beliefs regarding Christianity and sex and sexuality and performing sex acts in front of them like faux fellatio. I mean, seriously, this thing is so explicit that I had to pretty much just summarize it for the sake of doing it, doing these two broadcasts and simply say, 
the best that I can kind of make it nice is one minute she's preaching about the ills of premarital sex and the next minute she's talking to them about why she had to self-pleasure the day before the night before she saw them and she would tell them about her sexual fantasies and according to this explicit ones not even like oh i dream that i might meet the person of my dreams and you know because remember she's miss religion okay because i'm not gonna yuck somebody else's yum if you like whatever you like if you got a sibian in your house knock yourself out but this is someone who was preaching constantly um about certain things even as it relates to sex but yet she's telling them about her fantasies that involved well let's just say if she actually were to do these sexual acts if they were filmed she would be working for vivid so you get the picture all right so similarly to the fact that she was constantly um preaching to plaintiff one because remember this is the one she was particularly obsessed with she also felt like it was her business to police her virginity so you're talking about inappropriate things in front of her you're putting her on blast for being a virgin which usually when people do that isn't that them kind of making fun of you but at the same time she was kind of policing it to keep her abstinent very weird she now as it relates to plaintiff two who she had already had working for her for a minute she uh, identified her as a non-believer so she was a problem at the other end of the spectrum she wanted to keep plaintiff one pure and plaintiff two i guess she just wanted to full-on convert now unlike plaintiff one who it appears would you know just break down plaintiff two would basically let her know what's what get out my face with your stuff whatever you believe you know cool for you but as for me and mine we're going to go and continue to do whatever the hell we want to do allegedly on while on tour on one particular occasion uh miss charlene interrogated uh plaintiff one so much in advance of the show and asking her about her own beliefs and ultimately uh plaintiff one finding the courage to say some things to her about her belief system that didn't necessarily line up with her that she became visibly upset went off on her and demanded her conformity so this kind of stuff went on and on um there was also compulsory prayers now we do see that there's a lot of people who tour especially with black artists in particular of all genres if you see videos of them backstage it's not uncommon to see them forming a prayer circle or doing what have you but i am sure that even among those there are individuals who either pray differently are not religious at all um 
you know, atheist, agnostic, just, just don't pray in the same way, who just don't participate. And apparently this was not an option. According to the complaint, while it wasn't an official, an official policy, you knew you'd better do it. Let's, let's just put it that way. So responsibility for prayer floated around among the dancers. So that made it even worse with individuals who weren't into it like plaintiff too, because every time it came around her, around to her, she would decline it, which of course meant she felt like she was sort of put on blast just for the fact that she declined it. Okay, she again kept insisting and reporting to other, you know, reporting to other individuals that this was a problem for her. It never stopped. On another occasion, uh, the uh, plaintiff three said that she was getting on or off the bus, accidentally brushed up against one of the tour bus drivers, uh, apologized because it was an accident. And the bus driver, who, again, you are responsible for the people who work for you. And we got to wonder if because of the allegations of the people at the top that everybody in between, uh, you know, from top to bottom, including, you know, the cook, the baker, the candlestick maker and the bus driver felt like it was open season to say whatever and do whatever, especially in regard to these dancers. And in this case, the bus driver allegedly said, you can back up on me again. And, uh, you know, made a gesture. Uh, he was also allegedly known for playing for playing explicit, explicit songs on the tour bus. Again, that part might be a little reaching only because, I mean, have you heard what counts as music today? So, um, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not, uh, yucking anybody else's yum. I'm just stating the obvious that if you are not playing the radio versions of damn near any artist, you are going to get some things that are potentially sexually explicit. But again, this is also work. Music or not, it is also work. And if somebody is uncomfortable and expresses that, the employer has to, has to deal with that. So next, there, uh, she said that there were additional interactions and it wasn't just one person. This is plaintiffs one, two, and three who had individ who had individual incidents with the bus driver and mentioned his inappropriate behavior to the management team on multiple occasions and just felt like they weren't uh, protected. Uh, they did say that the management merely questioned the bus drivers whether or not they were drunk or driving safely, but not whether or not they were acting in any way that made the women feel unsafe. Now, so there's the bus driver. I mean, everybody and their mamas in the mix, which of course is why the company, uh, what is it, Big Girl boob tours. I don't know. We'll come back to it. But that's why the, the overall company is catching it as well. So next, they start talking about things that happened um, when, they, when the domestic tour came to an end and they went to Europe. And things just, wow. So once they went to, uh, 
they they finished the domestic piece in November. They weren't supposed to go to Europe until February. So they were just trying to look for work, which means that they weren't going to be paid during that time. But they really felt like they couldn't because there was a bit of a, as they say, a soft prohibition on them uh, on them working. Uh, by the way, if anybody in the chat want to ask questions, please feel free to do so. I am paying attention to it. It's the only reason I haven't addressed anything is because I have not, I do not see any questions right now. So that's good. All right. So at any rate, there was a lot going on back and forth. Uh, there were things they were booked for. They weren't sure, stressed out, not sure if they were going to have work. But ultimately, they did indeed go on the European tour after being out of work for several months in February of 2023. So now we are a mere, what, six months ago. Um, it, so this is, these allegations are very, very current. It is not just a complaint that's current as in just filed yesterday, but the allegations themselves, very current. So they went to Amsterdam. Now, why do we already know that if some stuff is going to jump off and there's some questions about, uh, things of a sexual nature, if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in Amsterdam. So once the show went to Anst went to Anst Amsterdam, <laughs> after the show, Lizzo allegedly invited the dancers out on her own. So now for the next little bit again, for those who are watching on Bego, I'm going to be looking at my screen. So I'm not ignoring you. I just need to look at my computer screen. Those who are listening on the podcast, you're good. Don't worry about it. You know, that was a little station break, but um, bump, bump, we're back. Okay. Now. Once they went out on the town, uh, things got a little, little raunchy. So as she, as the the plaintiff said, the invitations were not unusual. She would do it all the time. You know, even when they were domestic, hey, come out, and you know why not? Hopefully, she was picking up the tab at least. And attendance was not was not mandatory, but it was well known that the dance cast members, in particular. They claim, or at least this claims, that they needed to endear themselves to her, be around her, hang with her, etc. So she often mentioned that she had eyes and ears everywhere and she only wanted, quote, good people with good energy around her. So those who attended after party events were usually favored. They were selected to perform with her on shows that were outside of the regularly scheduled dates. Essentially, they had more job security, if you will. So on one evening in particular that uh, several of the cast members and uh, in this uh, this particular evening, I believe it was like a dinner celebration uh, with plaintiff one, plaintiff two, they were, uh, they went out, they were support, uh, supporting some local performers and they went uh, after dinner to the red light district. Now they say that because it started with dinner, they didn't know that that was ultimately where they were going to end up. We knew that was going to be where they ended up. I mean, my God, have you even looked at your employer's Instagram? So of course that's where you were going to end up. But again, just because you go to Amsterdam and you go to the red light district, it doesn't mean you have to actually do anything. You could just 
walk around, take it in, and then you've got a good story to tell when you come back home. Like, oh my God, I went to the infamous Amsterdam red light district. Yeah. I mean, that's actually what most people do for all of the people who you think went there and actually got it in. They just went around and looked and oohed and odd and, and it like basically seeing live advertisement for prostitution in, in store windows like Macy's at Christmas time. You really don't have to do much. You show up and that's pretty damn amazing to, to go back and tell the story. So they uh, said that they went to a bar called, well, I won't say what the name of the bar is, but I'm sure that after this complaint gets out, their, their business is probably going to soar. And they were, they had completely nude performers who they were allowed to interact with the whole thing. So this one individual who was, um, they say her name is Chonta, C-H-A-W-N-T-A, a a part of Lizzo's staff in some way. Um, She stated that it was too late for them to go back out. They already had their head, they already had their head count. So essentially they felt like they were stuck and they also kind of felt like them staying in good graces with the people who, you know, who make the difference, like a Lizzo depended on them going to, um, going to these events. So, um, that particular evening, let's see. Okay. Uh, scroll down. All right. So once they got there, things, uh, they said things went south pretty fast. They began, there was lots of touching and a lot of tough stuff. And so this is the last time I'm going to give a trigger warning because again, lots to get through. And plus I told you already. So allegedly at that point, Lizzo began inviting cast members to take turns touching new performers. Again, you didn't have to do it, but just inviting them to do it. Like, hey, I'm, I mean, maybe you had to pay to do it. And she's saying, hey, go do it. Um, they were catching sex toys from uh, launched from the performer's genitalia. I should have wrote myself notes because now I'm like, I've read through this before and I'm like, John, to change the words, but you know, there you go. Uh, Launch from their genitalia, also eating bananas protruding from performers' genitalia. And let's simply say that these were women. So you know where those toys and bananas were that they were eating from. So hopefully you got a mental picture and now you can erase that image. So at that point, plaintiff won. Lord, help this baby. Allegedly, Lizzo turned her attention to plaintiff one and began pressuring her to touch the breast of another nude woman. Again, remember, this is the one with the alleged uh, mental uh, issues, the anxiety, um, didn't want to be nude. Now she's somewhere surrounded by a bunch of nudity and who is also uh, allegedly a virgin and again, dealing with all of that as well. So for those who are in the room, I hope you all are enjoying. Please uh, send hearts and beans and all of that other good stuff. So um, hopefully you are uh, doing those things. I really, really appreciate your support. 
Okay, so she said, I'm good. She expressed her desire not to do anything else, but that's not how it went. So uh, the chanting grew louder and she felt uncomfortable, but um, finally she acquiesced and allegedly uh, touched the performer's breast. The group laughed at her. Um, she allegedly laughed along, but was very uncomfortable. And again, in other instances, we definitely know that this is no different than the things that happen in offices, locker rooms, Hollywood for sure. Um, you, you, you go along to get along even when you're terribly uncomfortable. And of course, as women in particular, this is not something new to us from the time that we were little girls. Um, it's, it's just, it's in fact, sadly, it's something that many of us and hopefully now being parents ourselves, et cetera, we are getting better about, but certainly uh, for, you know, pretty much the beginning of time until hopefully until maybe like the past 30, 40 years, it, you were like taught, actively taught to just go along, to get along, to, as they say in that um, documentary that Netflix did about one of the cults, it's called Be Sweet. Yeah, you're taught to be sweet. And so that's what she did. She had, she employed being sweet. So of course we know that management is on the hook for that. Lizzo is on the hook for that. Again, if these things happen and this is the position that she was put in, then we know why um, their names are constantly coming up in this suit. In addition to uh, that, all of the uh, individuals present, the three, the plaintiffs, as well as any of the dancers and other individuals were present, um, I guess similar to like the rest of us, if we just happen to accidentally scroll past her page on, uh, on Instagram, but they said they were unable to avoid the person who is, a, who is basically their employer. It, so let's not forget this incredibly public displays of sexual affection with her boyfriend. And at one point the couple took this Shanta person and two members of the band to a back room before returning sometime later. Again, we're just gonna let that out there. <laughs> so, um, okay, I'm getting a few messages on this Bego. So let me just make sure that we are all good here. Okay. All right. Give me a second, folks. All right. Now, once they went back to the club, allegedly uh, Lizzo began to pressure member, a member of her security team to participate in the alleged debauchery, their word. And she allegedly badgered him to get on stage until he uh, submitted to her demands. When he got on stage, his pants were pulled down, exposing his behind. And uh, she began yelling, take it off, while a cl club performer hit him with whips and plaintiffs 
critics uh, claim that they were just pretty much blown away by how little regard um, that Lizzo, of all people, had for someone else's bodily autonomy. And I say of all people, not having anything to do with her size or anything like that, but I'm talking about literally the words that are constantly coming out of her mouth about um, individuals who, you know, uh, you know, just about all of her you know, body positivity and, and all of those other things. So, uh, later on, so that was, looks like that was in February in March after performing in Paris, they again went out, they went to crazy horse saloon, um, a place where live dancers perform and, uh, that, and hoping they would be able to, at least that's what they're, they were allegedly told um, by her that they might be able to learn something from the dancers. Cause again, there's that whole, like, uh, it depends on which one you go to. There is a whole burlesque sort of cabaret vibe, um, or even, um, sort of a saloon vibe. It, it just depends on which one you go to and how often. So, they say that what she failed to mention in inviting them was that it was yet another nude cabaret bar. So nobody's using Google, but again, this is not their fault. I'm just pointing it out. And because if this is your first time listening to me or watching me, I'm just naturally snarky that way. So, you know, get over it. So not until the curtain opened, new woman began to dance, did they know what they were in store for? And then at that point, of course, the gloves were off. They felt like they were being, you know, they were dealing with the same amount of pressure and stuff that they dealt with at the last, um, at the last location. And so they said that they, they, of course, they felt pressure to participate and be engaged and all of that. And, uh, but they did, there, there were points where the curtain were closed. So it wasn't, it doesn't appear that this was as bad as, cause again, it's not like, it's not Amsterdam. So it was not, uh, uncomfortable. Yes. And still problematic. This is their employer, but apparently nobody is shooting anything out of anything if you know what I mean. So now we have, so it, it was, it was not, it was not cool. Um, and so, uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. okay. So in March, the team, uh, submitted their request to, uh, BGBT, which is again, the management company and Lizzo, for a retainer of 50% of their weekly tour rate to make sure that they were paid for the time that they're going to be on the break for um, from touring. Because again, they were going to have a, a break um, after the, the European leg of the tour, just like the American leg. And her people's preference was that they not work. So again, you already see, and, and hopefully, especially for those of you who uh, were here at the beginning of the broadcast, or, or even if you are listening to this back um, on the replay, you already see some of those things that I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the specific complaints, the specific allegations that they are seeking money for. 
hopefully as I'm going through these allegations, um, which is the factual um, or the, the, the plaintiff's version of the facts um, in this complaint, you can already see forming the basis for why those specific uh, those specific items were complained of. So for instance, just to catch you up a bit, this whole issue of we don't want you to work, we want you to stay available, although it's not like they said, they didn't come out and say it, but it was more than implied. You want to keep working for us, we better not see your butt on stage performing with anybody else um, or this last leg you did with us might be your last leg of doing anything with us, um, period. And it is rare, as any of us who have ever have had a job know, that when an implication like that is made, there isn't uh, there isn't ample uh, and good reason for in other individuals to. Um, let me start that again. When uh, when an implication like that is made plain and real to people. There are usually other individuals who have a history of working at that particular company or with those particular individuals who is going to underscore for you, um, yeah, girl, uh, don't, don't try it because so-and-so did it and you see they're not here anymore. So, you know, I, I doubt they were making that up but will they prevail if the words were not actually said? Well, that part remains to be seen. Again, once they get to the point of trial or maybe at least to depositions um, prior to trial, it's it, there's a lot is going to depend on evidence of exactly what I just said. Are there individuals um, or even memos, emails, whatever, is there something else besides it's just a feeling I got? Because, you know, we can't give you money over over your feelings, some feelings, but not all your feelings. And a feeling you got about what something that may have been contractually implied, yet nobody ever said it, and they don't live with you, so it's not like, Okay, so you guys, I, I don't even have to explain it anymore. You get it. So anyway, uh, they asked for uh, a portion of their money uh, so that once the European leg of the tour was uh, ended, they wouldn't be broke. So in March, they did the they did the last show, and uh, before the show, allegedly the accountant sent an email responding to the request and they offered them 25% of their weekly tour rate. So essentially half of the half that they were requesting. He also scolded them for bad behavior. So uh, saying that they were, if their behavior was quote, unacceptable and disrespectful, unquote. So they weren't being sweet uh, while on tour stating that it was a cause for termination. Nowhere in the email did he explain uh, what these women did to uh, to merit such treatment or that they be tossed out um, or what they did that was unacceptable or disrespectful. But 
that was what he said. Only the dance cast, which is comprised of full-figured women of color, were ever spoken to in this way. This is yet another allegation, and this is where um, things like discrimination, where the discrimination piece comes in. Now we're moving beyond the sexual harassment and beyond just the, um, and uh, beyond uh, the economic advantage piece. And now we're talking about, we're now getting into those allegations. So you see it forming again, uh, related to the racial piece and um you know the other types of discrimination which you know disabilities and stuff which we'll talk about in a moment because because specifically if you've seen her show it is the dancers that are large uh, they they are largely composed of uh women who are full figured i almost said larger but that would be rude i'm sorry uh full fuller figured women who um, in large part are black. And so that email along with others, uh, the plaintiffs allege just underscored and basically heightened the strain, the strain relationship between that one segment of women and, uh, and the management and by extension Lizzo. So the plaintiff and fellow dancers felt like they were blindsided with those allegations. They requested a meeting with uh, Mr. Bresler, who again was part of the management company. He initially agreed uh, to meet, but when he uh, arrived to the meeting, he said he had no time to meet with them. He had already met with uh, musicians and vocalists performing. So it, he didn't have time for them and he would deal with them via Zoom, which he never did. The dancers performed that night, returned to the United States shortly thereafter, and once again were placed on a soft hold, felt like they couldn't take other jobs. I'm sorry, I keep wiping this hair along my eyes. It's like I could see it, and even though I can't feel it, seeing it makes me feel like I can feel it. I know, especially for the people who are listening uh, on, via podcast, that this sounds incredibly insane. So just, you know, take a drink of water or something and, you know, okay, station break, we're back, but um bum bum All right. <laughs> so uh, it became clear that to them that they were, they were just being mistreated. Um, they now they were close to a month later able to receive more of their retainer that got them up to the 50 percent but part of that was because they had also received a word that uh, in that same uh april communication that they may not be resuming shows for over a month. And again, we're talking about April 4th, 2023. So again, this is all very, very recent. Uh, unfortunately, despite the advances they made in obtaining that part of the retainer, getting up to the 50%, the relationship was pretty much broken down. Um, certainly with the dancers who, uh, we're beginning to speak up about the fact that there was a clear demarcation between the way that the black dancers in particular were treated and everyone else. 
And so, um, and, and in this case, they are making it plain that it is not just the dance team, which is comprised of other individuals besides the black dancers, but specifically a line drawn in the sand between the way that even the dancers within the dance team were treated as it at um, so specifically that the black dancers were being treated differently than the white dancers and that the management team now we're talking about bgb team bgbt which is lizzo's company or the company that you know is a part of her whole thing that that management team consisted of all entirely white Europeans. Now this says white Europeans. I'm not sure if this is the attorney who is being just overly descriptive and he's just talking about white people in general, or if he means white Europeans as in from Europe, but I'm going to hope that since he went to somebody's law school somewhere that he wouldn't just be saying white Europeans because that sounds hella dumb. So we're going to hope that by be, excuse me, by being that specific, he means Europeans from Europe. And quite frankly, if that's the case, then I get it because we know that as bad as it is over here when it comes to um, some uh, things along racial lines, uh, have a conversation with some black people from uh, who live in, let's say um, London. And it is very eye-opening. We do not um, own the whole front porch when it comes to racism with um, our black European brothers and sisters have several rocking chairs on that porch. So they felt like they, so they were told they were lazy, unprofessional and had bad attitudes. Not only do these words ring familiar and I'm, I'm gonna read this word for word because I think it's worth, uh, worth reading because this happens a lot to black women in the workplace. Quote, not only do these words ring familiar as tropes used to disparage and discourage black women from advocating for themselves, comma, but the same accusations were not levied against dancers who were not black, unquote. I've, I've got to give them props for acknowledging that there are certain words that fall under the umbrella of familiar tropes that are used particularly against black women and even more particularly against black women of a darker complexion. So um, especially uh, words like having bad attitudes, unprofessional, lazy, especially if uh, these women are more fuller figured, which we know these women are aggressive if they're standing up for themselves. So, um, you know, I guess for a hot second, uh, he got it. Now, they talked about uh, on in April 
20, April 20th. So 420, okay. 420, 2023, they were scheduled for an eight-hour rehearsal. Near the end of the rehearsal, Lizzo arrived. She called the dance cast together for a meeting to address the same stuff. Rumors of unprofessionalism. You know, the woman who allegedly, um, well, we're not even going to go back to the club because, again, there's some things where that, of course, you always take things with a grain of salt. But, again, I'm going to, if even a portion of some of those things are, are true, uh, there's there's some big problems. I didn't call this the peculiar case against Lizzo for nothing. That little play on words also related to the fact that these not only are these allegations peculiar, but if this is the kind of stuff that is really going on, like that if the allegations are actually true, she's freaking peculiar. So anyway, unprofessional behavior. So we're having this meeting. She said they weren't performing up to par. She accused them of drinking alcohol before shows. Um, and most of them claim that never happened. She stated that all of them would be required to re-audition for their spots. And if she was dissatisfied with their performance at the end of the day, the dancers would be fired and sent home. They had an excruciating re-audition in which Dancers repeatedly ran through the entire 90-minute show, and what was supposed to be an eight-hour rehearsal was extended to almost 12 hours. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let that marinate, especially given that uh, I'm the momager of a pre-professional dancer as well as having spent many years. Uh, being a dancer myself, my sister was a gymnast, what have you, um, as well as, you know, we all know people who've played sports and have kids that have done these things. And despite the fact that people just are like, oh, it's dance or whatever, when you are dancing at a certain level, especially whether it's uh, a younger person at a competitive level or, um, you know, people who have achieved the professional status and are um, dancing you know, whether it's background dancers, ballet companies, what have you, these individuals, especially as it relates to these long rehearsals and having to go full out and do these shows, are elite level athletes. I'm not saying every single one, but depending, but a lot of them are, or at least they are expected to perform like an elite level athlete. Now we can all agree to disagree whether or not they actually do. Bottom line is 12 hours of having to re-audition folks without any notice and doing things over and over is a recipe for disaster like injuries, overheating, all that. So again, we don't have to get into all that. We're all adults or I hope everybody who's listening to me is an adult. So we all know what this is. They said it was brutal. They were not allowed to take a break. That I, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that when I just went on the rant about, you know, people getting hurt. During the run through, she uh, plaintiff won. She needed to excuse herself to use the restroom. She was afraid that if she left at any point, she would be fired. She pressed on until she eventually lost control of her bladder. Still fearing the reproduction, uh, I'm sorry, reproduction. Oh, God. 
<laughs> still feeling uh fearing repercussions uh or or feeling like she would get in trouble or lose her spot she remained on stage dancing in soiled uh clothing until there was a brief segment where not every cast member is a part of the performance because they were doing their stage show and once she took a short break you know she went and handled things but needless to say she was embarrassed and stressed and it just added to all of everything that she was going through that day to make matters worse the only clothing available to her because you know clearly she hadn't intended to end up urinating on herself um was a see-through garment so by the time she got out there she's basically dancing naked um, for the rest of the rehearsal and male crew members who it was who were known to uh, sexualize the dancers and and you know treat them in an inappropriate manner you know let's not forget the bus driver thing um, it, it just made a situation a bad situation even worse because then she's also in front of them long story short she is treated individuals involved in this entire Lizzo multiverse, um, in, in men, whether it's Lizzo herself, management company, everybody from the, the crew to, to the bus driver and, and everything in between. Um, there is, uh, serious questions, especially again, if these, if any of these things are turn out to be true about, the type of atmosphere that was being created here for the uh, women on staff and in this case uh, particularly the the dancers on staff and these three who ultimately took a stand. Um, she called a meeting uh, the following day to reiterate to them that um, none of their jobs were safe and just went over some other rules that quite frankly. Lena three raised her hand, asked to speak. She went on to rebut some accusations that were being made uh, against them. Miss Charlene, of course, is always there to put in her two cents, you know, because she was probably somewhere in the corner praying or testifying or something. And she uh, immediately supported but in this case, because of allegations involving the dancer and she's the dance captain, she actually did support uh, Plaintiff 3 as it related to um, saying that the allegations about people uh, uh, drinking before shows and that type of thing were simply not true. And allegedly Lizzo mocked uh, mocked them and said, well, if you're not, then good for y'all. So basically she's just like, I mean, whatever, that's what I had heard. So if it ain't you, then next. So, um, so she was, so, and, and of course that still um, didn't change the fact that they were being talked about with poor performance, et cetera. Um, Plaintiff One had a private meeting. She was called into a private meeting with uh lizzo and the choreographer the choreographer whose last name is scott so they're just gonna we're just gonna call her scott um they questioned whether she was struggling with something and seemed less committed to her role as the dance cast 
why was she less bubbly, less vivacious? So girl, what's wrong with your attitude? And that she was, that she was being lazy um, and that she, and had even commented on her weight, said that, um, that she had gained weight and whether or not she was truly committed to the tour because of her obvious weight gain that apparently they had noticed after one of the recent festivals. She said she was dealing with some issues, but she wouldn't let it affect her work, etc. But the bottom line is, without going word for word, uh, they called her out saying, you know, I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine how that, how you even do that. What are you saying? Like, we're good with you being fat, but just not fat just not fat fat like it has to meet like my standard fat but not your standard fat like what the what like we you know we good with you know you bouncing it when we're playing watch out for the big girls but like not that big like come on so again and, and remember we're talking about plaintiff one who of course she shared what we've already talked about over and over again that she was dealing with anxiety and depression, but relevant to um, this piece of it, that sometimes uh, it would trigger what another thing she had been diagnosed with, which is binge eating. And let's not forget these things they fully knew before engaging with her in any way let alone two years later on tour, because now we are in April, 2023. They began this process of continuing to screw around with this young woman's mental health in April, 2021, or no, May, 2021, when she was auditioning for watch out for the big girls like March or May when they did the initial psychological and of course as I pointed out to you then that initial psychological was perfect for a reality show given what reality shows do and but maybe not so perfect to take on tour because we're not filming a reality show now. So now we don't need that little bit of, quote, cray cray, unquote, that may uh, draw audience because we wanna see what she's gonna do next and what that stirs up between the girls and whatever. Again, us reality show watchers, we know how that works. You didn't necessarily need that on tour which means that, well, I'm assuming, and from what I saw, she was no better or worse than any of the other girls. You felt like she was good enough. She made the cut. She and uh, the other young women who won the opportunity to go on the tour won the opportunity to go on tour. Because once you put her in the contest, mental health issues or not, 
if she met whatever criteria your judges and uh, along with yourself decided to put in place that she was good enough to be one of your backup dancers well she met it and then you took her on tour but let's not act like you didn't know what you were getting into but it was cute for the reality show okay rant over now they offered her time so this is kind of ugly they said in response Lizzo and Scott dismissed it and was just like, okay, whatever. If you've got some mental health struggles, long story short, you know, again, without me reading this word for her, word for word, we'll give you a little time off rehearsals to go to therapy. And so she was like, okay, this is strange, but it also, she also feel, felt like if she accepted the time off, it would make her appear weak and um she wouldn't be able to continue as a member of the dance class this is where i'm gonna have to do a big inhale exhale because now i'm gonna take a break from actually what they're said in the complaint and give you a little insight as to my concerns as an attorney and actually there is still a lot more to this so we would probably do a part two tomorrow because as i said um, with Bigo in particular, I'm going to be doing uh, daily shows or uh, shows about every other day. So um, whatever we don't finish today, we're going to pick right back up tomorrow. And for those who are hearing this back, because it is all related to the same case for the podcast listeners, I won't wait another week to post the part two to this episode i will also record that live tomorrow so that you can get part one and part two back to back so both audiences will get it because i truly truly thank you for hanging with me both for this premiere show on bigo as well as our season premiere for uh let's be honest with just john to the podcast so just in finishing this part out, I'm going to uh, stop with the allegations and just talk to you all, um, attorney to potentially not potential non-attorneys. This is where sometimes folks go a little bit too far when they are either writing a, writing a complaint sometimes even arguing in court even during de uh, even sometimes during depositions there you don't have to say every single thing that you're thinking now and and right that's a lesson for life right we know that everything that pops into your head or that you think that might be a good idea or that you think somebody just has to hear because i don't know you like hearing yourself talk i mean and i mean you know i suppose people could say that about me too but that's why i have a podcast so that i can get it out but i don't do i, I can't do that in court or in briefs and take my clients cases okay my point in saying uh, in saying that is this whole section and there's actually several times during the complaint that he does this and tomorrow we're going to just finish the complaint and then uh depending on how much time we have i may just kind of do a a little highlight reel uh if you will uh of areas 
where I think that the lawyer may have kind of done his client a disservice moving uh, and I'm speaking as not only someone who files complaints, but someone who of course has to answer them since most of the time I am on the defense. You don't have, not only do you not have to say everything that you're thinking, you also don't have to say everything that your client is thinking. Leave some things for the other side to hopefully never ask your client or in the alternative for them to ask your client and hopefully your client answers in a way that doesn't, um, that doesn't lose their case. And why is this relevant? Because all of the information that I just told you all when I was going through that whole section, excuse me, when I was going through that whole section, um, about the meeting between Lizzo, Miss Scott, and uh, Plaintiff One, the portions about them asking her about um, why are you behaving this way, or do you have an issue, or you know we think you're gaining weight, which would mean that you're lazy and you suck and you you know aren't doing your job. Okay, that's fine. I'm not saying it's fine that they were you know asking her that, but I'm saying that's fine for him to break that down, especially if you are attempting to make a case for some type of discrimination or intentional affliction of emotional distress, especially given what they knew about this woman. I'm actually surprised that that is not one of his causes of action. And I will also not be surprised. I'm, I'm surprised it's not there, but I will not be surprised if when he amends the complaint, and he will, because, you know, complaints being amended is, you know, par for the course, that that is an additional item that is added. Because while I under, I, I absolutely saw the, the roadmap that he was creating as it relates to... Um, the other things that uh, that were already mentioned, the sexual harassment, the um, blocking economic opportunities, and you know, and even the racial animus uh, and the body shaming and all of that. What I also see even more of, literally from page three or four, is a potential case for intentional infliction of emotional distress or at the very least, um, an argument for it based on recklessness because of, or reckless disregard because of what this young woman was subjected to both deliberately and sometimes perhaps inadvertently because everybody was being subjected to it. But in her case in particular, you were absolutely on notice that there were psychological problems such that you specifically did a separate psychological screening on her. And even if you did a psych screening on everyone, which technically these shows say that they do, not I guess we'll find out more about that when Lizzo's side uh, files their answer, which of course we're going to talk about on this channel. Um, 
you so again bottom line is you were on notice and so despite the fact that some of the things that were done to her were done to everybody when you know that there is someone who is going to be particularly affected by that you have to be particularly careful it's kind of like being a school teacher and being on notice that one of the kids in your class has allergies so at any rate back to the attorney saying too much in, when, in talking about that meeting, it was absolutely unnecessary for the attorney to go into a whole thing about what she was thinking and the offer seeming strange and why she didn't do it because she thought this or she thought that. That is opening the door, like kicking the door wide open for the defense, at least as it relates to this, I'm, I'm just talking about this particular issue. We'll, we'll get into the other stuff when we continue tomorrow. It kicks the door wide open for the defense to say, wait a minute, hold up. This woman, by her own admission, was pulled into a meeting with Lizzo, the, the freaking star. I mean, so now we're also talking about the star, the head of this whole thing, giving her personal attention and another member of staff having a conversation with her about, hey, what's your problem? Now, it may not have been a touchy-feely, huggy-kissy conversation, but the bottom line is you were pulled aside and given an opportunity to explain yourself even if you were explaining yourself to people who were behaving like assholes. And at the end of you explaining yourself to people who may or may not have been have been behaving by like assholes, who also, by the way, knew of the mental health issues that you were basically reminding them of, they told you that they were giving you an opportunity to exercise some self-care, in this case, getting therapy. At that point, the fact that you assumed that them telling you to do that was a pretense for something else, or if I actually take the opportunity to do what they specifically told me, that they were going to allow me to do that it was going that there was going to be some type of retaliation in some other way at that point hun at least as it relates to that particular issue i'm i'm not one to throw the whole baby out with the bathwater cuz there is a lot of bs that happened uh in this situation again if we were to, if we're taking all or most of it is true there, you got a whole lot of other stuff to hang your hat on, boo. But this particular issue, your attorney or this attorney did her, did his client a disservice by making any statements about what his client's state of mind was as it relates to why she did or did not get help, which we'll see in a moment and, and you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, when we talk about the case tomorrow as we go through the rest of it. 
So there's there's a couple of times where he did that. There are times when during a case, um, especially a civil one, where um, it's not always, you can't always prove that someone specifically did or said something to you. Uh, um, instead, you do have to rely on the impressions that you may have got or why you may have done X versus Y. Those are things that, uh, it, yeah, you have to, um, I mean, you, you have to balance because you do need to say something about, especially when we start getting into causes of action like intention infliction of emotional distress and those types of things you do have to say something about your client's state of mind because in order to explain that there was some emotional distress you need to talk about your client actually having emotional distress and this particular situation he at number one they have not made that claim yet okay this is like weird my eyebrows jumping on screen but you know that's not me i swear so <laughs> number one you have to, um, it, it, he didn't even claim that. So there was no reason to get into her state of mind. And number two, you can't blame other people for what you didn't do because of what you may have thought when the words coming out of their mouths are the opposite. So this was an instance where absolutely mention that that meeting took place because the that meeting taking place underscores the possibility that or or underscores your your case allegations regarding uh discrimination against her due to her size due to her weight gain or potential weight gain or whatever i mean i've not seen pictures of her but if everybody says she gained weight she gained weight but that's all you had to say. Literally, that entire paragraph should have ended with, and re in response, Lizzo and Miss Scott dismissively, dismissively offered Ms. Davis time off of rehearsals. I'm sorry, I said her name. Time off of rehearsals to attend therapy, period. The next five or six lines about why she, why the offer seems strange and what she may or may not accepted, the fact that she declined thinking it was the only way she could keep her job and, uh, and all of this and all of this other stuff, take it out. Now, you could have jumped now this next piece. Okay, I'm good with that, where you said this meeting took place immediately before show. And although Ms. Davis was, there I go saying it again, was hurt and emotionally drained by being forced to tell her employers about personal struggles, she still went out and performed that night. That part is fine. Why is that fine? Because it sets, it, it also sets the stage for any argument against the, against them where they say, look, we didn't do uh, yes there may have been some shenanigans that went on but the manner in which we treated uh, our employees was no different than anything that goes on throughout the industry you know everybody pretty much knows what goes on at 
clubs in Amsterdam and going out in the middle of the night to Crazy Horse in, in uh, Paris. And we've all got phones and Google, so she could have very easily uh, did some simple in any of them. I'm not just putting it on her, but any of the dancers could have very easily done some simple investigation of their own and made a decision about whether or not they were going to go to go out based on the information that is readily available because none of these clubs lie about the fact that they have new dancers or any of that kind of stuff. They have to warn the public that this is the type of um, establishment that they are. So it is important to for them to always follow up moments where she may appear to have been physically or emotionally fragile, in which case, you know, she's going to take particular offense to anything that goes on and we can't be constantly held hostage by that um, and then sued because we're not allowing ourselves to be held hostage by that. Um, they need to follow that up. But so it so it is important for the um, to follow that up to, with saying, no, no, no. The reactions that my client is having are absolutely normal because my client is absolutely normal. You know why my client is absolutely normal? Because even a mere less than 24 hours after you all tried to break, <laughs> to take it from Beyonce, tried to break her soul and have her perform until she dropped, urinate on herself, then continue to be humiliated even on top of that by having to go to continue to perform half naked in front of a crew that is known to be well gross then have a meeting where she is basically called a cow and told that she doesn't do her job because of it she still despite all of those things occurring in less than a 24-hour period she still went out did her job dropped it like it was hot and did what she was supposed to do absolutely important for lawyer for her lawyer to say all the rest of that stuff absolutely not important for her lawyer to say and goes back to that whole not only are you fragile but you are making decisions for other people and then trying to blame them for them or for those decisions that you're making rather. All right, so we are going to end there. We are knee deep into it. And uh, if you're not worn out, I certainly am. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, for those of you who are either watching or listening, you know, this is uh, episode episode one in a new season so there is you know some kinks that uh we had to work out and my uh person who does the production for me for um, the podcast side of things uh was not here this evening so we're getting it together so as for my uh bigo folks thank you for coming in and i look forward to many more lives with you i am going to sign off 
here and back to my awesome uh, podcast listeners at uh, Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda. Thank you again for lending me your ears, especially coming back uh, after such a long break. We'll have to have a whole conversation about how long COVID led to me having voice issues that forced me to have to choose between preserving my voice for my actual day job versus, uh, you know, the extra uh, strain on my voice with also doing a long form podcast as well. And um, of course, life be life. And so once a month and then two months and then three months and then I tried to bring it back and it would literally, my voice would literally catch on me as I was, um, you know, as I, I'm talking. So yeah, it was a little crazy, but I am back and I am excited and ready for us to do some shows that are more exciting and better than ever. Of course, we'll do the news and the gossip in our shows where we have our deep dive focus with, um, with multiple subjects and themes. There is so much going on. But of course, uh, at least in this first couple of shows, we're going to focus a bit more on some of the cases that are going on, not just celebrity cases, but hell, we've got some big uh, political ones too. <clears throat> okay, a former president being indicted multiple times. So we... Um, We've got a lot to do on the legal side, which you know that I love, and I love to do it with a bit of fun. Uh, the the Lizzo one, um, the nature of the allegations makes it a lot uh, harder to find that just John fun in because, uh, you know, are we really gonna joke around about too much about sexual harassment and? issues as it relates to how larger women are treated and all that stuff. And um, so not only is it just a very uh, touchy topic, but also uh, can get a bit insensitive as well in our handling. Now, excuse me, now we will see, you see how my voice catches. So now um, we will uh, probably do a whole separate episode on Miss Lizzo and just um, how some of the things that we have watched over the years, and mind you, this is coming from somebody who has enjoyed her music, but uh, some of the things that uh, a few of us have been having conversations behind closed doors about uh, in the past couple of years regarding the public antics and then, you know, them being okay until you get criticized and then all of a sudden is you're fat shaming me, you're this and that and the third. So there's a whole separate conversation to be had about that and we will, and then we can uh, laugh and joke and stuff all we want. But right now it's at least we're dealing with these types of allegations. I guess we have to suck it up and be mature. Oh, I guess at any rate, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with me. 
also please spread the word that we are back we are back having fun we are back to making sure that you all are the smartest most well-informed snarkiest borderline rudest people <laughs> in the podcast universe uh and, and only rude because we're smarter than everybody else not because we're trying to be rude um uh but uh, you're, we're back and we, and I am excited. I say we, because of, um, uh, the, my person who, uh, does my editing and sound who it's actually my son. So, um, so it's, it's, it's a we thing. So I, uh, I appreciate you. I love you. And I hope you keep listening and continue to, uh, spread the word and listen on all platforms make sure you go to apple and hell just let it play while you're cleaning your house or washing your car and make sure you give us five stars make sure you leave us a review on spotify and all of these other places we are trying to grow and be just as big if not bigger than all of these shows that you know aren't even as good as ours so uh make sure that you do that and spread the word and if you also want to continue and join in on the fun our um Gosh, the family has gotten huge. Our uh, Just Us family has uh, on the Facebook page, um, the Fashion and Drama Diaries has just grown exponentially, largely because of a lot of the podcast, a lot of the podcast listeners. Um, So come on over there. Also, if you want to support the show, which is so important for us to build up um, the quality and the things that we're allowed to do, make sure you don't hesitate to use that Cash App and Venmo down there. Greatly appreciated. Uh, Always, always. And as I always say, if you're thinking about it and you want to talk about it, chances are I'm thinking about it and want to talk about it too. So let's be honest together. Good night.